What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio. And today we have the book, Dictionary of Ancient Magic Words and Spells by Claude Lecateau. Did I say <laughs> I that? I told her to say it as bougie in French as she possibly could. <laughs> <laughs> and it's still probably completely off. Anyway, this book came out in 2014, so another newish book. And it's different. I think this is the first dictionary of anything that we've ever talked about, right? Yeah. We had the- we, had, we did the encyclopedia for Scott Cunningham. Right. But this is the first straight up dictionary. Yeah. So you're probably saying to yourself, wait, so these guys read a dictionary? Okay, no. There's a lot of stuff to read. And then, of course, we went through the words to see, hey, this is kind of interesting. What do I like? And how can I use this? And I think- you know, we talk about the intentions that we put into things, and we talk about how important yes. words are. But at some point, you wonder to yourself, what other words are out there? Or are there words that have been used that mean something that maybe I can adopt? Right? I think that that's all yeah. helpful. I think it... I don't know. We'll, we'll see as we talk about the book, like why we thought this book might be an interesting book for us to discuss and see what you guys think of it. Absolutely. Now, here's something interesting about the book right off the bat. I don't have a quote. You know what? I'm honestly not surprised, though, because I was I remember like reading and being like, I don't know that any of this is particularly quote worthy. I think there's a lot of information. But it's this is very much and I don't know if you got this but it it gives like dissertation yes so i i don't think i've ever looked at a dissertation and been like oh yes this imminently quotable piece of literature (laughs) but there's definitely like a ton of content packed into the preambulus which is what we're going to talk about i think the most out of anything else because it really does help us to figure out what's the what so where should we start you know he does talk about the difference between I don't know how to pronounce this word. Orisons? 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 Orisons. Orisons. So the difference between orisons, blessings, and conjurations. I thought that was so funny because, first of all, this is like right at the beginning of the book, right? You're like just getting in, and he starts with a section titled Some Definitions, which like, LOL, this is a dictionary, so I hope there's some definitions. But um, this turned out – I laughed. It was, a, it was a dad joke. Please laugh with me. But it turned out to be a really useful little section because some of these words I think we've used as witches, but it's nice to have sort of like a – again, like a very academic context of like what does this word mean. I had never heard of an orison before. If you've never heard of an orison before, it's magic prayers that conceal their true nature behind a Christian exterior – most often through references to Jesus, Mary, the evangelists, and so on. Right. And what it also tells me is that this book, I mean, it's called Ancient Magic Words and Spells. And we know that Christianity has so much magic in it. So the idea that he's saying, okay, look, yes, there's magic everywhere. I'm going to break it down for you so you know like where it's coming from. So that's a definition for that. Blessings can be pagan or Christian, but either way, they share the same structure. They are used to summon good fortune in an individual. They are the opposite of curses. And then conjurations, uh, used to summon supernatural beings. Boom. Notice that in that case, he didn't say where that belonged. Yeah, he, there's no religion associated, which is very interesting. Yeah. He then, of course, dives into paganism and Christianity, which seems to be a theme for us this year. Yeah. And we didn't even plan it that way. No. I saw a TikTok that um, this woman made that I was like, oh, wow, where she said, like, Christianity is just, like, um, acceptable. I don't know if that was the word, but something like acceptable witchcraft. And then, of course, there's pictures of, like, pagans, like, you know, uh, adorning their face with Mm -hmm. things. And then they show a picture of, like, Ash Wednesday and somebody with a cross, you know, and just different things. Like, you know, we're burning, you know, herbs and they're burning incense. So... You know, and then, of course, at the end, they state, and of course, they stole from, you know, pagans and witchcraft and all that stuff. This is why I say that Catholics are the closest thing to pagans in Christianity, because it's all magic, all of it. 
even if it's not like really. And, yeah. And, and the longer that you say that and the longer we do this podcast, the more I'm like, yeah, she's right. Where I think I would have been like, get out of here. But now I'm like, yeah. yeah Catholicism is Demonized. just woo-woo yeah. Christianity. Um, I was very interested also with this sort of discussion of um, paganism and Christianity because I think I thought that ancient meant older than this. Yes. You know, yeah. um, I really thought ancient was going to be like pre-Rome, pre-even maybe, um, you know, ancient Greece. And uh, I mean, that's my fault. But also ancient definitely encompasses like way more than this book. And so you're really only getting a snippet of ancient history. And he really focuses it in this section saying, listen, I'm talking about ancient in the sense of like really a lot of Latin, a lot of like Greco-Roman um, ancient history. So there's definitely a lot more room, despite the fact that this book is like very, very extensive. There's a lot more room and we're definitely missing chunks of things. You know, but if it is reading like a dissertation, it makes sense because he's going to want to be able to, you know, reference things yeah. and, you know, and if things weren't written down, then he's not going to go with yeah. so-and-so told me, you know, the witch in the woods said this. It's like, um, that's not the reference. Yeah. So, but I do like that he talks about, I don't know who this guy is, but he is in 348, Cyril of Jerusalem. Yes. So Cyril, shout out to Cyril. Uh, he <laughs> Big homie Cyril. <laughs> He says, as long as man lives within a body, he will have to fight off countless wild demons. And this is kind of, I, I'm going to say, is the reason why this dictionary was put together. Yeah. Because we are in bodies and we're going to have to fight off demons. That also disappointed me because I thought, that's it? Like, this is why we, this is why you put this together because this is like a, like words to fight off demons. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I don't. I don't really do a lot of spells to fight off demons. I'm not really concerned. I try to leave. I try to live a demon-free life. I try not to attract yeah. crazy shit. I try to well, like respect everybody. You know. I try to attract crazy shit, but only in the like I want to watch it sense, not in the like I want to be in it sense. Um, I do think that it it does kind of sort of misconstrue a little bit of what the dictionary is because there are lots of spells in there that are like not about demons. Um, yeah. You know, I could flip to any page and find one about, like, making a girl like you or, you know, having a good harvest. And, like, I don't – we don't traditionally consider that to be a demon situation. Um, maybe, you know, in ancient Greco-Roman semi-Christianity era, maybe that was a demon situation and we're just, you know, looking at it through a modern lens. But I, I do think that, like – that quote makes you think there's going to be a lot more demon shit than there is. Right. Yeah. Don't be thrown off by that. Yeah. But he does go on to talk about how we want to get good luck on our side, how, you know, sometimes we're going to need aid from somebody, yeah. whether that be divine or that be like a demon type of aid. Um, and I, you know, and I think... Well, I mean, he wrote this in 2014, and I think that's the part that kind of throws me off because I could see people back in Cyril's day in 348 saying, hey, there are demons yeah. out there. Whereas in 2014, I would think that we weren't using the term demons. We were saying maybe our spiritual allies or our ancestors or, you know, the Fae or something like that. Yeah. Um, so the fact that he's still using those terms is, again, it's making me think, oh, demons like literally yeah. we're going to have demons you know i think the more um, you read in this book the more you really realize that like this is not the the beginning of the book right the the introduction of the book is not the working text that's not the thing that you're going right. to read and have it be necessarily useful to your direct practice this is very much context and like do i love context yes i love context give me all of the context but it's very much this guy's dissertation on, like, Greco-Roman semi-Christian magic. So, like, that's your context. And for a lot of us, that's very much not applicable. Um, yeah. So it's very interesting. It's, you know, probably not a thing that I'm going to use. Although I did love in that section about the, the usefulness of the spells. Just like a throw-off, like a throwaway sentence. 
Oddly enough spells for invisibility rarely... Oh, oddly enough, but... Oddly enough, spells for invisibility rarely accompany magical phrases and words. And I thought that was... That alone made that whole introduction, like, useful for me. Because what an insight, right? A spell to make you invisible, to make you not be seen, not perceived, whatever version of invisibility you're using. They typically do not have magic words or phrases. There is no word, right? You don't say anything. And thus, the spell is invisible. Right. So I think that this is more like a, like if you're interested in spell mechanics, right? If you want to know why spells were done the way they were, this is great. Because even like random sentences that he wrote, I would be like, oh, maybe that's why this works like this. But if you're, like, trying to figure out, like, oh, well, are these magical words going to work for me? Just go to the dictionary and look at them. You know, this is very, it's a dissertation. Read it in Aquarius season. That's the vibe. Like, do not read it in Pisces season. Do not read it in, um, you could read it now, actually. Virgo season is probably a good season for, for something like this. But none of the, like, real emotion, no water sign seasons for this book. Because the vibes are not, they don't match. Well, another thing he says is um, he talks about an extremely ancient belief. And that's the idea that if you can say something, if you can name something. Yes. Well, then you can gain it to obey you. And that, you know, that to me was a little troubling just because don't look at this book for that reason. Right. Like, I kind of feel like that's not one, you know, knowing something by its true name. Be careful. I don't think that anything is going to obey you just because you called it its true name. I think if anything, you're opening up a portal to God knows what. Yeah, I mean, you don't have control of yourself. It's very much a specific field of magic, right? Um, Yeah. And I, yeah, I will suggest very strongly to the audience that, like, if you're not comfortable with, if you haven't worked with this field of magic before, now's not the time to start, right? Not with the the dictionary. You need a text that's going to help you get comfortable with that. I think in demonology, it's actually pretty common that, like, having the true name is sort of a binding. Um, And listen, if that's, like, a way you work, go for it. Love that for you. Um, But absolutely, like, if if you're not working with true names, don't assume that you're immediately just going to be able to be like, oh, well, I have the true name of something. Boom. And don't assume that you know the true name of something. I mean, he, he talks about in that section... If you don't know 100% the true name, people would list off all of the names. And it could go on, like, hundreds of names. Do you want to do that? If you want to... Yeah, and hope that one of them hits. Right. Like, like if you want to do that, go for it. But it's it's a very uh, imprecise version of magic. And, again, it is it is very much a very ancient one. So I don't know how many modern people are doing, you know. But I, we should we should talk to a demonologist, actually. We should see if we could get a demonologist on the podcast. We can get one. Oh, that was easy. Cool. Because I would, I think um, it's a very different version of magic than what we do. And yeah. I think it would be interesting to have that conversation. All right. But that's like a next year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Not a thing. It's like yeah, September already. <laughs> I've pla- We planned it out like next year. You know, speaking of planning it out. So we had planned this book for now. And as we're talking, I'm starting to think, oh, God. Because, you know, spooky season yeah. starts in August for people, or like I call it, October. Mm-hmm. And, and so then we're Halloween in the middle Eve. of it. Halloween Eve. Um, so yeah, so we're like, we're in September, so it's like, we're in the middle of it, right? Yeah. October's kind of going to be the end of it. We're talking for people who aren't magical, people who are just into spooky season, not witches that are yeah. into spooky season, just like whatever. And I guess part, sometimes I do feel... Like, what if somebody's like, oh, it's spooky season. I'm going to listen to a podcast. And they put us on and they put this on. And they're like, I'm going to get a book and I'm just going to start reading a bunch of things. And I'm just going to start, you know, making spells. And, you know, part of me feels like I just want to say to people, like, you know, just be careful. And part of me is like, you know what? You do you, boo. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Do you know what I mean? See, I think, I think this book was the perfect book because I don't think anybody wants to read a dictionary. (laughs) No, but that's what I'm saying. People are just, well, I, like I said, do you. Yeah. You know, grab the book, open it up to any page. Yeah, I mean, true. Like, not, 
Let us know how it works for you. Or don't. You could also just not let us know. You can make whatever choices you want and not involve us. Well, yeah, I just say that because, you know. No, I know. The closer we get to Scorpio season, the more I just want to see people do crazy shit. That's true. So, one of the things that I liked about the story, the story, the story that he starts telling us about the Middle Ages. Yes. Is how um, the people who knew how to read and write were obviously the clerics. Yes. Right. And if they wanted a little bit more money, they would write or copy charms out for people. Yes. And I'm like, okay, so basically people went to the clerics who would do a little spell and give it to them. Yeah. kind of cool. I mean, it. we do that now. Right. And, and that's, I don't know if we want to necessarily... We should. No, screw it. Let's talk about it. So this section of the book is rituals and ingredients. Um, for those of you who are following along or who might want to read this later. And he does talk about, you know, the way that people would need a specialist. Um, and even suggests that, like, people didn't write down the rituals because they didn't want anybody to be able to do them without said specialist. And I think that that's kind of where we are right now in the witch community is there's very much this subset of people who are like witch adjacent but aren't witches who go to i'm not even gonna say witches magical people right because um but who go to magical people for candles for spells for tarot readings um they don't want to know how those things work they just want the magic and my fear in this is that it's we're in like capitalism obviously (laughs) Are we, like, is it becoming just another capitalist money grab, you know? And is there, you know, I think we do something valuable by sort of breaking down these books and talking about the the nuance to them. Because I, are, is becoming a specialist who is not sharing how the tools work, preventing the magic from spreading in a better way? Um, okay. So I think about the people that we know in our community, right? Who know how to do things. Whether it's Morgana and her oils, or it's Amy and her candles. Yeah. Okay. I've taken classes with Amy because she does. She does. If you want to learn, she's there for it. Okay. Whether it's making the candles, whether it is dressing the candles, whether making incense and then putting it all together, whatever you want, she will teach you. Um, Morgana is going to have classes on oils and the ogum. Okay. Just because I take those classes, it's because I'd like to know a little bit more. But I will tell you right now, if I need oils, I'm going to Morgana. If I need a candle, I'm going to Amy. Not because I can't do it, but... When you have a person who has specialized, right? Yeah. Um, you're not coming to me in the mundane world for algebra. Did I take algebra? Yeah. I'm not an algebra teacher. It's been many years. It's not my thing. You want to come to me and, I don't know, learn how to annotate something or to read critically or to improve your writing skills. I got you. And I think it's the same thing in the spiritual world. These are people. These are magical practitioners that are spending so much time. Aside from other magical works that they do, but their specialty is this stuff. So, yes, capitalism. In this case, I'm going to say yay for capitalism (laughs) because I'm never going to be that good when you need something. Why not be able to say thank you to this person who, like, has all this knowledge because they have spent so much time. It's their world. Um, They're just going to be so much better at it. Now, but you mentioned the witch adjacent. I think... Like I said, the the practitioners that I'm talking about, they, and, and for the most part, I'm going to say for people, uh, Melissa at um, Light Club Curiosity Shop has a magical bar where you will pick out what it is you need and you will work with her to put it together so your intention goes in it. Again, um, it's going to be better because your intention is in it, but she's the professional season to do yeah. this. So I feel like, all of these people, don't, they don't hide what they do. They're not like, you come to me, you give me your money, like behind the closed door, like the nuns in Spain that give you the cookies through the little revolving give thing, the right? Cookies. It's not. 
Is it a cookie or is it the the body of Christ situation? Is it the Eucharist? No, 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 no. I got real excited that you were calling it cookies. No. No, literally, they're called sweets because I think they all make different things. But like when I've gone, they they always have like like one or two things that they make per day. They're always very fresh. And I usually just get cookies and they could be any kind of cookies. I think I got like little lemon cookies the last time and they're absolutely out of this world. But if you go get them like the minute you land because the box is gigantic, you will not have enough time to eat them. And you will be like me on the last day shoving cookies into your mouth because you refuse to have anybody take them away from you at the airport. So that's um, no, they're actual cookies. I got nervous for so a second. I, no, no, but I was just saying, like, you know, you don't see them. Yeah. They're cloistered, right? But when we're talking about magical practitioners, the ones that I've met, it's very much, do you want to see what I do? Do you want to learn, right? Yeah. But I think it's always with the knowledge that, especially for the witch adjacent, they either don't have time to take it seriously and they understand that if you're going to get good at anything, and that's anything in the mundane world or the spiritual world, you need to dedicate time. So for a lot of people... Maybe just buying crystals, meditating. They're never going to take the next step because they know I don't have the time or the calling to like really be drawn to it. But I have the respect to know Mm -hmm. that, yes, this is real. And if I go to Melissa's bar, the magic bar, I'm going to get something that has as much as I can give right that time right there. But I'm going to get all of her expertise. Right. And and we're going to put something together that it's actually good. And that's the same for all the other, you know, people that I've mentioned. So, you know, yes, capitalism, but I'm going to say I am so excited when I see practitioners opening up, opening up their doors, right? Yeah. Um, Because in this world, if you don't work, you don't live, you don't eat. Right. And, you know, who knows? Maybe when I retire, I will have all this time and I will be able to do all this stuff. But right now I haven't dedicated my life to this. So, you know, we need them. I don't know where else this was going. I don't know if I answered what I was trying to answer. I don't know. I, yes, I think, first of all, I have to take a minute to just be like, damn, we know a lot of really awesome people. Um, and I'm so lucky. grateful. Yeah. Because you know, the everyone you just described and all of the other people that we've worked with, like, you're right. They are <laughs> reasonable people who recognize the dynamic of, like, passing on magical information while also being highly skilled with their craft. And, and I appreciate that we've sort of cultivated that. Um, and so, you know, if any of you are listening, we love you. And I'm I truly just overwhelmed with joy that this is the circle that we get to run with. Um but also, it, it just, like, the thing that I think about is the people who don't have circles like us. And so I think that you saying all that was very helpful, because if there are people who are listening who don't have access to practitioners that they trust the way that we do, um, you know, learning about the way some of this stuff works, even if, you know, you're witch adjacent and you're never going to do it, knowing a little bit is helpful. You know, it, it mm-hmm. decreases the possibility that you're going to get scammed. Um, and I think about, you know, Martin Luther nailing his 99 problems on the door. But a bitch ain't one. Yes. <laughs> However many, you know, nailing them on the church door because priests were like scamming people and like charging them to go to heaven and stuff. And so I just, I think it's like a, it's this weird balance of, Having specialists is important and necessary, but also try to have a little bit of knowledge about what you're working with. Even if you're the kind of person who's like, I'm really into spooky stuff, I'm really into witchy stuff, but I don't want to be a witch. Know a little bit, because I think that le couteau, le couteau, (laughs) he makes that point really clearly that we don't have some of this information because people didn't write it down because it was their livelihood. Right. They wanted to make money, so they didn't give that information to other people. And no judgment. I get that. I understand it. But now that in this sort of modern time, we have to have a little bit of discretion, especially if you're not as lucky as we are. You know, and it's interesting because there's also this whole faction of people who are like, we don't charge. Right. You should not charge for your services. And 
you know, what do you say to those people? I mean, it's, if it's their belief, I respect that. I have to respect that. I'm one of those people who says that, right? I don't charge for anything that I ever do. Um, But again, I come from a privileged place to say that because it's not my job. Yeah. Right. And I think that's one of the things that we liked when we started this podcast was no ads, no ads. We don't have to watch what we say or someone's going to get mad at us because they paid us. And it's like, no, 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 no. Right. We like the idea that we just we do what we do and we're very lucky. And like you said, not everybody's lucky in location. Not everybody is going to be lucky to say, you know, no, I'm not. I'm going to do this for free or whatever. I also think sometimes when you charge for people, you charge people. um, Then they really respect you because then you're a professional, which I always find that really bizarre that term but i understand the reasoning behind it right like if i'm paying for a service i expect this ah so then you know that if i'm charging you for it i mean i'm not saying there aren't charlatans out there i'm just saying you know i think we always hear about or we always worry about scams but i mean i have to be lucky and that i have never had a friend of mine ever come to me and say oh man this person scammed me or this person yeah did this you know so um, but I guess we still like to warn our listeners because, you know, we want everybody to be safe. But, um, yeah. yeah. So this all came from the clerics who were writing stuff down and giving people charms. Yes. That part of the book. Yes. Okay. Um, I also thought one of the things that I liked was this idea that um, words can be used for many things. So yes. even a word that you think is, okay, it's magical for this purpose. They're actually telling you, no, look, this this is a multi-purpose word. You know, think about it. And what I what I specifically liked about that is no one's going to read a dictionary and go, okay, I got to memorize 10 words. If you can find a word that resonates with you based on, you know, how it sounds or where it came from or who used it in the past and you're like, okay, this goes with what I do. You have like one or maybe two words yeah. that you'll go, okay, I'm going to use this in my arsenal. And then maybe you'll come back to the dictionary. I guess it's like the Llewellyn correspondence book, I'm going to yes. say. Right? You're not going to read the entire thing and go, okay, I'm going to memorize this whole page. No. You're going to come to it when you need it. Yes, very much or, so. And in this case, I'm going to say, <laughs> this is going to sound crazy, you know, sometimes it's hard to rhyme stuff. Yeah. When you are a rhyming witch, you need to be able to rhyme. I'm a rhyming witch, right? I can't imagine as an English teacher, if I came on here and I was like, yeah, my spell work, I don't rhyme anything, you know, even though I don't, I'm not like somebody who has to have rhyming poetry in my life, but I like it. There's something about it that I like, you know, it feels very traditional to me and it's, I'm sorry, it's just the easiest thing to remember. I don't remember anything. So when they rhyme, I remember. Yeah. In that same section, He talks about how over a thousand year stretch, we can see a clear reduction of magic spells, both developed and abbreviated in grimoires. And I thought that was very interesting because it sort of ties into that multifunctional character use that we saw or he saw in his dissertation over that thousand years, people just got rid of superfluous stuff. And I think that 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 alone for me, again, some of these throwaway sentences are so valuable because it's like, yeah, you can keep trying to constantly design new spells and constantly, you know, make new things. Or you can say, this shit worked. I'm going to do different versions of this. And for most people, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, unless you're coming at it and being like, I really love designing spells, which like, me personally, I really love designing spells, even if I'm not using them. But for for like 90% of the population, you don't need to do that. Pick something that works, use it, fuck around with it a little bit, use it in a different way. And you're going to get a really beautiful, like personal craft instead of just constantly replicating other people's works or never having a spell go off quite right because it's always new. Um, I thought that was really powerful to be like yeah just get rid of the extra shit and i think this goes not just for words but for for everything like when i first started getting into herbs i wanted to have as many herbs like oh Mm -hmm. this is good for that this is good for that and then at the end of the day you're like all right give me like five herbs that i can kind of throw in or even three herbs that'll be good for like a bunch of different things same thing with like candle colors um you know 
which ones can you just use for anything? Yeah. Like, why am I messing around? Why do I have to have, like, this arsenal of stuff when this will work? Yeah. So I think that just comes across with everything. And I, again, it's nice to have new things. It's always nice to go out and get something. But, you know, what works, works. You're right. Yeah. So then he goes on to the elements of language. Which I very much liked. So he says, from a linguistic perspective, they come into three basic types. Christian liturgy, Greek, Hebrew, and Latin words, and sequences of letters that can be initials of words. Those are the three different basic types of how magic spells, the uh, linguistic perspective, can be separated. Yes. So the first one is Christian, right? So this is when people take things from the Bible. So we're talking about Psalms. We're talking about prayers, right? Yeah. Uh, Greek, Hebrew, and Latin words. Um, sometimes from local dialect, they're twisted and unrecognizable. It doesn't matter. It's all based on like alliteration and homophones. And I right? loved that because I'm not a rhyming witch. Um, okay. I, I often don't even do verbal spells, but I mm-hmm. loved the idea of like, pick a word, pick a, a couple of words and just say them weirder and weirder and weirder right so he talks about like um to banish a fistula which i don't know what a fistula is um but i think it's like a medical thing so i probably should know yeah isn't it kind of like a cyst or something that sounds gross Maybe not. I don't it know. might be i don't know i don't know but yeah. he then you know gives you this this sort of semi spell and it's just words that sound like fistula and i'm like damn that's fun as hell that's such a fun way yeah. Because it's it's very much like um it gives me that like a litany of true names thing, but like the complete opposite, where it's like, in fact I'm gonna say all of your not true names, I'm gonna say every other possible version that sounds vaguely like you, and you're gonna get like caught up in that jumble and leave. It's just fun. It's a fun way to do a spell. I didn't realize um that I N R I was like a Christian thing. Like, I knew I knew it from somewhere, but I didn't realize that it was literally Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Like, I was like, oh, why do I know this? And then I'm like, oh, it's it's God. It's Jesus. Cool. Understood. Like, I had a, I had a moment where I forgot I was Catholic once. Um, I only know it because, you know, vampire movies. So oh. what is that? I had to look it up once. I was like, this is bothering me. I don't know what this is. So I looked it up. So letters as a way to retain whole phrases. But it's also a way to keep things secret. And I like that as well. Yeah. Right. Especially if you're writing something and you live with other people or you're afraid somebody might see it. You know, it just looks like you're doodling. It looks like you're just writing God knows what, just nonsense or whatever. Um so I think that that helps to keep things secret for people who want to keep things secret or for people who just, you know, again, if you can remember things that way, I can't. I've never been good at that. Yeah. You know, but some people are very good at that. So it's also a beautiful like next step if you are into sigils, because now you've turned the spell into a series of letters and a series of letters right. into a sigil and nobody knows what's going on but you. Yeah. Oh, I also wanted to say when we're talking about the Greek, Hebrew, and Latin words and playing with them, when you think about a spell, sometimes you are repeating it. Yes. And that in itself is just kind of getting you into a trance-like state. So sometimes if you say the words in a weird way, and like you said, get it weirder and weirder, it's not so much about the word anymore as it is about getting you to where you need to be so that you can get the spell done or feel the effects of it. Yeah. So I like that. Big agree. Then we get to the spelling of the spells. Which was, I looked at that. He's got a little chart in the book that shows like words that are words, letters that are hard to distinguish between in these medieval manuscripts. And I was like, how the fuck did anybody read these? It's the whole alphabet. He's got the whole alphabet confused with other letters in the whole alphabet. How do you read the damn things? He does explain transcription. But it's hard. He does, which I thought. (laughs) I thought it was it was cool to to see it. It made me think, and it's something totally opposite because it's not about the spelling of things so much as pronunciations. Yeah. I thought about Shakespeare, 
how depending on the rhyme, the word is said a different way. And sometimes we're not even 100% sure how it was said. So imagine like when you're teaching kids and like you're telling them and they're like, what? Like it's already confusing. And now you're telling them, well, we think it was pronounced this way, but not here. Here we think that word was pronounced. It's like, yeah. Anyway, so he said the early transcriptions were based on pronunciation. And part of me thinks, why didn't we just stay that way with, with language? Like, why do we have to make it so complicated? You know? Yeah. I have a different, difficult time sometimes going between one language and another. Like, if you, the, do you say the word photo? It's the same thing in Spanish. It's photo. Una foto. But it's F-O-T-O in Spanish. And it's P-H-O-T-O uh-huh. in English. And when I'm texting something, sometimes I have to go, oh, God, that was a P-H in there. Or people are going to think I'm completely dumb. Like, why was she saying photo? But why do we do that with language? I mean realistically it's because sometimes pronunciations are different it's like if you if you go by pronunciation photo and photo and photo and photo are technically pronounced differently yeah i guess i guess it's just in my mind it's the same it's the same word right yeah you're right photo photo they're pronounced differently and then you get into like uh like dialects and like sub areas like cockney doesn't sound like rp so if we did pronunciation they're different they're completely different like i don't you wouldn't say the words might not even be the same fundamentally so you know did it help yes did it hurt also yes and then he talks about um Text, this is actually vaguely related. He talks about text, transliteration, transcription, and translation. And very much this idea of the there are a variety of ways that the words are changed into other languages. And they're not always perfect or direct. And sometimes they're going mm-hmm. through two or three different languages for you to get the meaning of them. Um, for me, I like having the dictionary then because I, you can kind of skip that. Right, so you don't have to worry about like, oh well, this spell was written in Aramaic and then translated into Hebrew and then translated into Greek and then translated into English. You can just go, all right, here's the word from the grimoire that he found from you know, thirteen fifty five, and I'm just gonna say that instead of whatever word we think that word might have been through four other languages. Right. True. Writing and coding. Yes. And the whole argument of using blood versus ink. Yeah, I feel weird about that. So do I. I'm obviously anti-using blood. Yeah. For a variety of reasons, but let's start with this. Um, Bloodborne pathogens are a thing. So don't... Don't do them. Um, Especially if, like, there's ever a possibility that you're going to give your spell to somebody or that you're going to be in contact... Like, don't do it. Don't don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. Um, talks about coding, replacing words with dots. I love writing in code. I know you do. I love it so much. We should do a whole episode just on codes. Didn't we? We did like a magical alphabets thing. That's so true. yeah, we kind of did. Yeah. I should listen to that again. Well, <laughs> all right. Sometimes, you know, I, I realize we do have to go back and listen to some stuff to see. Because maybe there's something else we can do. Yeah. Like, just codes instead of magical alphabets. Yeah. That could be good. It says, magic works when letters and figures are unknown to the profane. I have never lived that life. Yeah. I, like, you know, to each their own. You do you. But, like, I don't think magic needs to be forgotten you know and i think that a lot of times especially in this older magic but even in modern stuff you see all these ways that people are trying to forget the spell right um especially with sigils right you're supposed to make the sigil and then like burn it and get rid of it and never use that sigil again and and xyz and i just It feels like instead you could use the energy of that and compound the energy of that. And by increasing that energy over time, you strengthen the magic. 
Yeah, I agree with you. And then I think about something he mentioned, the idea that sermons were once done in Latin. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not saying no one learned Latin because at some point there were schools that were still teaching Latin, yeah. right, as an elective to, to, to people. But what did that do? What did that do for the magic of the mass? What did that do for the people attending the mass? You know, I don't know. I'm not Christian. I was never, I've never seen a mass in Latin. Um, is the fact that it is in Latin and you do not know what's happening, does that mean that you are placing all of your faith and your energy and your intention to the people that are up there speaking in Latin and quote unquote doing the magic? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or the fact that they're speaking in English and now not only are you not engaged, some people, but now you're thinking, wow, should we all go to blank to go have dinner after the mass or lunch? Or you know what? I think I left the laundry in the... I don't know if having the mass in Latin actually made people focus more on what was happening. Even if they didn't know exactly what the words were, were they more... Um, giving of their energy because it was a mystery. But, I don't know. And even then, like, as he goes on, he says, ultimately, the Latin charms worked through the melody and the prosody of the language, and right. you should disregard the written form entirely. Well, that's... I'm going to unpack that in a separate... That's a lot. <laughs> the idea, That's a very interesting idea. And people in the in the audience knew how to respond. Yeah. Right? So they, they knew their cues. It's almost like, you know, when you have backup singers, it's like they make the song because you're still good on your own. But when you have that extra backup, it's like, ooh, now the song sounds better. Maybe that was the whole thing. The priests are doing their magic and the people are giving all their faith and intention and everything to them and they come in when they have to and they're all in. Huh. But yeah. We're, we're going to come back to this in a later episode. Okay. Because I need to think about... Okay. I, I, it's, it changes the way I relate to spell creation, and it may affect spell design for me in the future. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't expecting that at all. No, me either. I was just trying to... Okay. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine if... You know, somebody said to me, like a witch that I knew or whatever, it's like, can you help me with a spell? And they start saying things I don't understand. I, I would be like, um, I don't know what you're saying. I don't know what we're getting, you're getting me into. So bye, I got to go. So I'm not saying that for me personally, but I can see how that could work if you want to put all of your energy into something. And again, in a way, that is kind of how it works when you have the witch adjacent people who don't want to know. Yeah. Why are you using this oil? Or why are you using this incense? Or why are you using this color candle? They're just trusting, right? So if a witch says, okay, I want you to put your hand here, or in some cases, you know, come here, I'm going to put honey on your ring finger, you have to taste it, this is the offering to the god, make sure it's not poison, you taste it first, it's your candle. That's the same thing as going into church and like, I don't know Latin, and now I've got to take communion, but I trust you, so I'm going to do that. And then you're going to give me your blessing. In this case, I'm going to give you the candle, and you're going to go on your way. It's still a complete mystery. If somebody came into your home and said, what did the witch do? You would say, I don't know. I just know she gets results, and I trust in huh. her. Yeah. You know, it's the same kind of thing. Um, and maybe, hey, if, this, if the Pope is listening, I know he listens to us. I know. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's my compai. Mi compai. If you're listening to us, maybe that's what you got to do, people. You want to get more people to go to church. They're leaving the church. Start speaking in Latin. Okay. Maybe that was the You don't thing. know what you just did. That's like an... <laughs> what? That's a real thing that's happening. There's like a subset of Catholics. They're like trad Caths, traditional Catholics, who are like adamant oh. that we go back to a Latin mass. There's like... It's like oh, a get whole out. big thing. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, and it's, you know, the problem is is that the tradcaths also tend to be, like, pretty right-leaning as people, so it's like, eh. Yeah. But, um, yeah, this is actually a big conflict in Catholicism. Well, if you want them to stop saying that, just tell them, you know, it's just witchcraft. When you go in there and you don't know what the guy's saying, <laughs> Yeah, they'll right? stop. They'll be like, mm, never mind. Nope. We don't want to do that. You're, you're just participating in the person's spell. Yeah. So it's up to you. But I'm just saying, 
it's kind of the same thing. I kind of, it's, it's really weird. Obviously, I don't go to church, but I have gone to church. Mm-hmm. And if somebody that I really respect, like somebody that I know, like usually they have to be older, if they would want me to go to mass with them, I would go. I don't have a problem going to mass. I mean, I do. I get ill in churches, which we're still trying to figure out why that happens to me. But I can guess. I think I just don't protect myself enough when I go in because I'm like, you know, whatever. I'm not really thinking about it. But I would love to sit in on a traditional Latin mass because I feel like it's going to look more like witchcraft than we think. Oh, yeah. I would agree with you. We should do that. That should be an episode. (laughs) Which space goes to church? (laughs) No. In a a couple of years. (laughs) In a couple of years, yeah. We'll go to church in a couple of years. How the dictionary is organized. So now we talk about, because we haven't even talked about the words. We just talked about all the stuff that came before. But now he goes into how he has organized everything. Um, And he says that he has just, this is a result of him scrutinizing. What did he say? 7,000 magical spells, he says. Yeah, which is insane. Yeah. From Western and Northern Europe. But it's not the end. He says, maybe this was the quote, the essential purpose is to provide a glimpse of the fruits of magical thought from the Middle Ages into the 19th century. Boom. This is why he's he's doing what he does. Yeah. Yeah, that is the quote. That should have happened earlier. Not in the podcast, in the book. I would have, yeah, I would have, have liked, uh, this is the purpose of the book. Yeah, because this is the end yeah. of this section before the, he gets into the dictionary. This is the but end of the book. Afterwards is just, it's words. Yeah, then it's just the actual dictionary. Yeah. Right. He says entries are arranged by single magical words and spells. Spells are short, use it all, spell is long, only a portion of the phrase. Respect the spellings of the manuscripts. And then he just goes off. Yeah. He does have a lot of great references, which obviously... You know, I love references. He's got some cool pictures um, from actual Mm -hmm. grimoires. Obviously, we don't need to go super in-depth into the dictionary part, but I do have to say I don't know how functional this is in the way that he organized it. Mm. Because it's not super easy to find something if you need it. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm like, oh, I really need spells for... Um, it, con- convoking? What's con- con- convoking? Con- what's a convocation? You're calling something. You're calling to something. Boom. Calling the spirits when an individual wishes to no longer be mocked or scorned. If I wanted a spell against people being mean to me, I could find one on the first page of the dictionary. But then what if I wanted, like, where else could I look? I wish that there was, like, an appendix of what the spells are about. Mm. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, that would be helpful. I mean, how I would use it, you know, I see this as a rainy day book, okay? Yeah. Like, now that I've read this, it's kind of like, what's in here? Maybe I'll just glance at a page or two. If something calls to me, I'm going to write it down. But I'm not going to look at this book as something I have to study. It's a rainy day book to go through words. Did I find it interesting? Yes. Am I, do I find it useful? I don't know yet. Yeah. Agreed. This is something we can come back to next year, next September. We can say, did we use this book at all? Yeah. And of but course, I think it's interesting. if anybody reads it and if you guys have uses for it, especially if they're weird or unique, let us know because there's like that first section was so short, but gave me so much to think about. And I feel like I'm kind of overwhelmed by the Mm. dictionary part you know and i I skimmed through it and there are some spells where i'm like this is really cool or this is really funny um and if i had had a brain cell i would have dog-eared the page uh to talk about it but i didn't you know he's got a whole big section on abracadabra which i feel like a lot of us have seen sort of that triangle breaking it down from abracadabra to just a but he talks about where that comes from and other um you know, citations relevant to it. And that's really cool. But I don't, I don't know how useful it's going to be as far as doing it in spells, do it like adding it to my own spells. I don't think I could. That word I couldn't use in a spell. I would crack up laughing. Yeah. 
that particular word, if all of a sudden I ended a spell, I started abracadabra, I would start laughing. I, I don't think I could take myself seriously. And that's because of Hollywood, not because of the word. Oh, of course. Um, I do like that he includes, like, a whole bunch of sections on names in the, in the in part of the dictionary. But, like, names of the patriarchs from the Bible, names of the planetary spirits, names of the spirits of the cardinal points. Like, that's super useful if you want to use names. Um, there's a lot of them. So that is, is really, really helpful. It's a big-ass dictionary. It's like a chunky. There's a lot of words in here. Yeah, it really is. So what do you think, Scorpio? As a word witch, what did this book do to you? Did it validate you? Are you thinking of new things? What's your vibe as the word witch on the podcast? The vibe for me was, I don't want to go out and not try to like accumulate a bunch of words to use. Yeah. But I think it has made me look at words do have power. And we've said like, when you have a, a spell from another witch that's been tried and true and they give it to you and they're like, this spell would work. You know, there's a lot of energy that's gone into it. There's a lot of magic that's been worked with this spell. So why not use it? I think the same thing goes for words. I think it's making me think of words that I might know, let's say, either in my practice or my culture or whatever, that are very strong words that get reactions from people, period. Why wouldn't I want to bring those words into my spells? Okay. Gemini just had a revelation. You guys can't see it, but I did. I don't know what it is. Go. I'm going to do magic with the word fuck. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, that's genius. That words have power. Imagine doing like a protective spell with with cunt. I was thinking the same thing. Right? Yeah. Like, imagine yeah. using that as our... I can't do that spell on Instagram. This is the problem. No. You know, it's funny because I've always... That word is always in my arsenal. If I ever want a bitch to shut the fuck up. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Duh. Because it just... It stops the conversation. Uh -huh. Like, it just... It will stop them from arguing. Um, I love that word. It's a powerful word. I'd rather be called a cunt than a pussy. Think about the connotation between the two, right? One is weak. Yeah. Right? One is like a pushover. It's like they have no no strength. Cunt? There's strong there's power in that. And both of them are vaginas. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, you know, I I, I hate it. Like, you know, people say they hate the word moist. Yeah. Oh, I hate the word pussy because it's such a negative. Ugh. Who wants to? Ugh, I can't stand it. Right. Mm -hmm. So when women get so upset at the word cunt, I'm like, it's beautiful. It even sounds beautiful. <laughs> like it's just this Well, my favorite is when like, because um, this is a very American thing to be like upset about the mm -hmm. word cunt. Right. Like in, especially like in Scotland in Ireland or Australia, it's like part of the vocab. Um, and there's nothing yeah. I love more than like an Australian or a Scottish person talking about like a child and using the word cunt. I just think it's so funny because it's, you'd yeah. never, you would never hear it here, but it's just like, oh yeah, no, that's just what we do. Well, you know, but that comes also from our, whether we, we have family that were colonizers in the beginning or not, right? This country was built on, you know, these Puritan beliefs. Yes, so of course, some so. words are going to just trigger us and yeah. make us all completely crazy when they're just words, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, slurs yeah. are bad and don't say them. No. Yeah. Slurs are bad and don't say them. But also, I am going to design a protective spell around the world, cunt, and I'm really excited about it. So there you go. I can't share it with you guys, except maybe on the podcast. So if you're interested... Uh, I don't know, email us, shoot us a message on Instagram, and then I'll, like, toss it on, in an episode, like, after the outro music, if you guys want. And, yeah, and really think about it when it comes to words, you know, what words have been powerful yeah. in society, in, you know, um, even if they're words that aren't used anymore, but did you grow up at a time that there was a word that was very, very, you know, powerful for something? Can you use that? Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be a curse word. It could be anything. You know, how do you want to, you know, turn it around maybe? How else might you want to use the word? Take the power of that word and how could you use it? So 
I think that's what this book has done for me. It's really made me think about words. It's also made me want to read some of these pages and to see yeah. where these words have come from and to see if there's anything that I could go, oh, I'm using that. I love that. So, you know, So do you, nothing else. Do you recommend this book to our audience? Hmm. <laughs> I think if you're... I think if you're a word person, yeah, I think you'll find it interesting. As far as, okay, I'm not really interested in words. I'm just a witch that's looking for other books to read. Eh, maybe not. Yeah. You can probably skip it. I don't think this is a must-have in your collection. But if you like words, if you liked what we said, you know, um, I would recommend either looking at it online somehow or if you find it in a store looking at it to see if you think it's going to be useful to you. Cause we really did talk about everything. Like there's not really much that we left yeah. out. Um, so, you know, it's not like, Oh, I'm going to get it. And I'm going to read like a hundred more pages that, you know, Gemini Scorpio didn't talk about, but you know, it's not a bad book to have if you have a lot of books and you want something different. If you want something different as a witch, I would say this is a probably good book. If you're like, eh, I can pass it. Yeah. You can definitely pass on this book. You do not need this book. I agree. But I, I still liked it. I, I still give it thumbs up. Definitely. I think this is very much like a lending library kind of book. Like, if you're the mm. sort of person, um, I like to imagine in my, in my head that there are, like, covens out there that have little libraries that their, like, coven members can use, covenites can use. This is a great lending library book. I don't think you need to own it, but it's, like, really fun to be able to look through. She says this, but she would like to organize a lending library. I know that. It's, let, At listen, some point. you know, we'll, we'll we'll keep our options open, but not in 2022. No, and not in 2023, but coming to you in 2050. No, we don't. Coming to you in the year 3000, which space lending <laughs> library? <we> <laughs> So that's it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much to our audience for listening to this podcast and every other podcast. We love you guys so much. We love interacting with you. So please keep reaching out to us via email, on Instagram, when you see us at events. And we do have an event coming up, the Moon, Serpent, and Bone Market, which is coming up in October. People should go to the website. They should check it out. We are not going to have a table like we've had um, in the past. Although the last couple of ones we didn't either. So we're still not saying that come to our table. But... You know, get those early tickets. You might see us roaming around. And if you do, you know, we want you to come up to us and say, hey. Absolutely. Um, actually, right before we, uh, right before I finished my typical outro, um, I ordered candles from Amy and didn't tell her that it was me because I wanted it to be like a little secret. So I am mm -hmm. also getting um, candles from Otherworldly Waxes. I think they deliver on Monday. You guys will see them on Instagram. I'm very excited about them. Um... So yeah, I just wanted to share that with you guys. If you have been thinking about getting candles from Otherworldly Waxes, you should do it because they're amazing. And we talked about Amy today on the podcast. And also, this is a September podcast. So please tell us if there's anything coming up in October yes. that you guys are excited about that maybe we could like look into and maybe talk about on the podcast. And, you know, order from people that you like now. Yeah. Do not wait until the height of October. And this is specifically for witches. Because as you know, the witch adjacent are shopping now too. Yeah. So buy your stuff now. Do not be stuck on Sarwin without like ingredients that you need for something. Because, you know, people went shopping. So yeah. get your stuff, people. And of course, a huge thank you to Conwin Moore for our intro and outro music. We love it so much. We love you so much. And we can't wait to maybe have Conowin back on the podcast sometime in 2023. So keep your ears open. Um, and of course, don't ever forget, if you're following the moons, you're following us. 